everyone, and welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm Scott Spratt, a writer for Football Outsiders, part of the Edge Sports family. It's the Thursday leading into the week, uh, the week six games, so I'm going to hit on my favorite and least favorite matchups for players this week based on their tendencies in terms of home and road splits, forecasted weather splits, and defensive opponents. Let's get that started with quarterbacks. My favorite quarterback matchups this week include Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Jared Goff, Kyle Allen, and Aaron Rodgers. For Kyler Murray, I think the major thing with him is that he's actually been increasing his rushing production dramatically over the last three weeks. It was a slow start to the season, but his full season pace from the last three weeks is over a 1,000 rushing yards. That's going to make him a pretty safe top 10 option at quarterback generally, but this week he's going to be even better facing a Falcons defense that increases pass plays by 5%, completion percentage by 8%, yards per attempt by 10%, and touchdowns per attempt by 58%, which is tied for the most in football. The Falcons are the number 30 DVOA pass defense, and they're going to be a great matchup for every quarterback. But I have Kyler Murray in my top five this week. Lamar Jackson, kind of opposite of Murray, has slowed down a little bit over the last two weeks, but he draws a plum matchup this week in the Bengals at home. The Bengals increased both passing touchdowns per attempt by 46% and rushing touchdowns per attempt by 16%. Both of those are top five in football, and both of them are good news for, for Lamar Jackson, who obviously both runs and passes for his fantasy production. He basically, he's facing a team that's bottom 10 in both DVOA pass defense and DVOA run defense, so it doesn't get much better than this for Jackson, and hopefully he'll break out of his mini slump. I mean, I'm still, I'm still not feeling too bad about Jackson. I think I have him seventh in my true talent at quarterback for the season, but he's going to be a top three option this week. Now, Jared Goff has a bit of a difficult matchup. He's facing the 49ers defense that not only is number one in DVOA overall, they're number one in DVOA pass defense. So just considering that on its own in an island, it seems like Goff has a really bad matchup. But Goff has also shown very huge home and road splits in his career. And thinking about this since 2017 when he became a better player, 323 yards per game and 21.4 fantasy points per game at home versus just 245 yards per game and 15.5 fantasy points per game on the road. That's one of the biggest splits in football. And to me, that makes this matchup for Goff kind of like what Dak Prescott had against Green Bay last week. And you'll probably remember if you watch that game that it went pretty badly for the Cowboys overall. But Prescott kind of rallied to produce a lot of fantasy points late. He threw three interceptions, but he also had 463 passing yards and two touchdowns. I'm not necessarily going to say that's the game script that Goff is going to experience here, but I think that kind of thing can mitigate the downside of a matchup like this for a player like Goff, so I'm not too scared off, and I think he's a back-end top 10 option for you at quarterback. Now, with Aaron Rodgers, he's obviously been uh, not as effective as a passer for fantasy so far this season. It's A lot of it has to do with volume, but I think even more of it has to do with matchups. He's faced a lot of defense that cut both passing plays and passing touchdowns so far this season. I think he can bounce back this week against Detroit. The Lions, are uh, they boost both passing yards per attempt and passing touchdowns per attempt by 10%. And then I kind of wanted to highlight Rodgers here because he's playing in Green Bay at home on Monday Night Football. And because it's later in the day, that's going to lead to some lower temperatures. The kickoff temperature is 43 degrees Fahrenheit. And then over the course of the game, that'll dip into the 30s. Now, obviously, Rodgers has a lot of experience playing in that cold weather. But, you know, Matthew Stafford doesn't as much. And something that's interesting to note is that for quarterbacks in general since 2009, they show a pretty significant split based on temperatures. When the temperature is above 50 degrees Fahrenheit, quarterbacks average 15.7 fantasy points per game. When it's between 30 and 49 degrees Fahrenheit, that drops to 15.4. And below 30 degrees, that drops to 14.7. So basically from warm temperatures to very cold temperatures, it's a one-point fantasy swing. 
Now, for Rodgers, this doesn't actually matter because throughout his career, he's been remarkably consistent regardless of temperature. But I just kind of wanted to bring this up as something to keep an eye on in future weeks. I mean, the deeper we get into the season, especially into December and then, of course, January for the playoffs, temperatures are going to start to matter and weather in general is going to start to matter more than it has so far this year in what has been kind of an extended summer without a lot of rain and without a lot of wind. Okay, let's shift gears to talk about the quarterbacks of the worst matchups of the week. For me, that includes Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, and Daniel Jones. For Teddy Bridgewater, I think he probably made a lot of money for himself against the Buccaneers last week with 314 passing yards and four passing touchdowns. But keep in mind that the Bucs increase yards per attempt by 15% and touchdowns per attempt by 46%. That script is going to probably flip this week at, uh, at Jacksonville against the Jaguars. The Jaguars cut passing yards per attempt by 5% and touchdowns per attempt by 71%. Now, I think we, we think of them as being much worse after that week one Kansas City beat down and after basically they haven't had Jalen Ramsey for most of the year. But since that KC opponent in week one, they've held their opponents to an average of just 212 passing yards and 1.0 passing touchdowns per game. And while I think that's also kind of matchup dependent, I think it's going to probably be a tough week for Bridgewater. He's near the back end of my QB threes, so you're definitely not going to be starting him in any formats this week. Now, Carson Wentz is a little bit more startable, but I still have him as a back-end quarterback, too. He faces the Vikings defense that cuts pass plays by 7% and passing touchdowns per attempt by 13%. They're the number nine DVOA pass defense, and of course, they're even better at run defense, which I'll get to in a minute. But tough matchup for Wentz, tough matchup for all of the, the Eagles this week. Deshaun Jackson, by the way, still not going to play. Could be a couple more weeks before he's back on the field. Matt Ryan has been kind of a matchup independent, I would say, so far this season. More than 300 passing yards per game in all five of his starts. I'm thinking that streak could potentially end this week. And This is kind of a funny thing when you're talking about fantasy versus reality. Because the Cardinals really haven't been a good pass defense so far this season. Obviously, they haven't had the suspended Patrick Peterson all year. And this is the final week of his six-game suspension. So he'll miss this week, too. But because the Cardinals are kind of a poor team in general and a poor defensive team... They actually tend to decrease pass plays by 7% while increasing run plays by 18%. So for Ryan, that could mean a little bit less volume than, than usual since the Falcons have been trailing a lot in games and, and Ryan's been racking up a lot of his points in garbage time. Although this game isn't in, in Arizona, so maybe it won't be quite that extreme, but Ryan isn't a top 10 option for me this week the way he would be most weeks. And then that dovetails nicely into my running back top matchups of the week because the number one guy there for me is Devontae Freeman. Then we also have Christian McCaffrey, David Johnson, Chris Thompson, Mark Ingram, and James Conner. For Freeman, I mean, it's mostly just kind of what I said before, the decreasing of pass plays and and market increase in run plays in that Cardinals matchup. But Freeman, obviously, also somebody that gets a lot of work um, catching passes out of the backfield, and that's a real weakness of the Cardinals defense, too. So that could be a, a pretty plus matchup for him. And then across the field, David Johnson draws the Falcons defense, and we know that's good. I I already talked about how great of a matchup it is um, for for Murray and and for the passing game, but the Falcons also increase rushing yards per attempt by 12% and rushing touchdowns per attempt by 3%. So that's a pretty plus matchup for Johnson, who is also at home and also has his receiving to, to sort of boost his fantasy production too. He should be great this week. Now, you probably wouldn't expect Chris Thompson, the receiving back for the Redskins, to have a great week um, in Miami against the Dolphins. The Dolphins have obviously been really, really bad so far this season and are probably tanking. And as such, you could probably see this as more of a power running game with more Adrian Peterson. But something that's interesting to note is that the Dolphins are allowing just an unbelievable 129.1% DVOA to receiving backs this season. 
Uh, they're the number 32 defense across the board, but it seems like this could be a particular weakness. And so I'm thinking Thompson may end up getting a pretty hefty volume in this game from the Redskins, even if the Redskins end up, you know, leading through throughout a lot of this game. You know, Thompson is actually already has 35 targets this season, top three at the position behind only Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey. He's on pace for his best season ever. And I think he's probably a safe top 30 PPR running back. So if you play in that kind of format, Thompson may be available and you should pick him up. But he's a, I think he's a pretty decent start this week against the Dolphins. And then just missing the cut of my top options at running back, Ezekiel Elliott. I'll mention him here against the Jets. I think it's going to be really interesting to see if the Jets look better with Sam Darnold back at quarterback. And if that can kind of, you know, they with, with Luke Falk, they were just a really bad matchup and leading to a lot of extra runs. But I think it may continue to happen a little bit for Sam Darnold. We thought he was going to get um, his tight end, Chris Herndon, back, but Herndon looks like he may be hurt and miss a couple of weeks anyway. So still struggling on offense with health. C.J. Mosley, the, the anchor linebacker that they signed to the big money contract in the offseason, he's still out. So I think the Jets may still have trouble keeping pace with the Cowboys in this game. And you could even maybe see some Tony Pollard late in this game too. So probably a good week for Elliott and a good week for the Cowboys running attack. On the bad side of things with the bad matchups for running backs, we have Jordan Howard, LaShawn McCoy, Joe Mixon, um, John Hilleman of the Giants, Elijah Penny of the Giants, and then Leonard Fournette. For Howard, I think he's kind of established himself as the clear number one running option for the Eagles, but they still split that workload pretty significantly, and Howard is getting less receiving work than the rookie Miles Sanders. So I think this makes this a particularly tough matchup for Howard against the, the Vikings, I mentioned they were a better run defense than pass defense, even though they're good at both. But they're actually the number two DVOA run defense, so very, very good. And they cut rushing touchdowns per attempt by 22%, which is the third most in football. Tough sledding for any number one running back, but especially one like Howard that kind of relies on touchdowns for his fantasy production. For LaShawn McCoy, you know, last week he actually didn't chart a carry. Uh, with Damian Williams coming back, Williams asserted himself again as the number one running back for the Chiefs. And McCoy actually only played, I think it was maybe 14 snaps, and there was 13 there for Darrell Williams. So, yeah, McCoy's kind of a tough player to start in general, but I'm definitely not going to start him this week against the Texans. The Texans cut rushing touchdowns per attempt by 33%, which is the second most in football. And even though we think of McCoy as like an open space guy that catches passes, he really hasn't been doing that for the Chiefs so far this season. In Damian Williams' three games that he's played, Williams has had 68% of the team's running back targets. So you're going to avoid McCoy this week pretty much regardless of format. With John Hillman, I think especially for the Giants, you, you may need to consider starting him in your deeper leagues. They're, I mean, they're just only so many running backs getting volume. And I think as the de facto number one back of the Giants right now with Wayne Gallman out and Saquon Barkley still out, he's probably going to get double-digit uh, touches tonight against the Patriots. But do I want to use him? I mean, definitely not. Not only has Hillman been very inefficient so far this season, he has to contend with the Patriots defense that's number three in DVOA run defense on the season in addition to there being number two in DVO pass defense. Plus, the Patriots probably going to go about big in this game. They generally cut pass, um, cut running plays for their opponents by 21%. Only the Eagles cut them more. So this is probably not going to be a huge volume game for Hilleman the way that you might expect, where they don't really have a lot of other options to use. Um, so in other words, despite being the number one guy in my mind, Hilleman is not a top 25 back for the week the way that I think Gallman would be. And Penny is even lower. So I think try to avoid these guys in shallow formats unless you're really, really desperate with the buys. But yeah, I think he's a deep leap option only. And then with Leonard Fournette, I mean, he's gotten to a place where he's pretty uh, matchup independent too. He's, he's receiving the ball out of the backfield a good amount and just getting just a huge volume of work. 
But of note, he's placing the Saints. They cut running plays by 16%, third most in football. So it could be a relatively bad week for Fournette. Maybe skip him this week in DFS. Shifting gears to wide receivers, my favorite matchups for the week include Larry Fitzgerald, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Keyshawn Johnson, well, I'll talk about a little bit more in a second, and then Cooper Cup. Yeah, let's start with the Cardinals here with Larry Fitzgerald and Keyshawn Johnson. I mean, I mentioned that the Falcons defense are a great defense to face. You know, they increase pass plays, completion percentage, yards per attempt, the touchdowns per attempt across the board. But in particular for number one and number two wide receivers, the Falcons are the number 31 DVOA defense against number one receivers and number 32 against number two receivers. So those outside guys are going to do a lot of work. You'll probably remember last week, the Falcons gave up 14 catches, 217 yards, and three touchdowns of Will Fuller. So the number two wide receiver for the Texans. But they've been kind of doing that sort of thing all year. A couple weeks ago, they allowed A.J. Brown and Corey Davis to each catch 90-plus yards of receiving and then three combined touchdowns. They also allowed eight catches, 107 yards, and a touchdown to Nelson Aguilar back in week two. So basically, this is going to be a great week for the, the receivers for the Cardinals. Now, the real question is, is Keyshawn Johnson going to be that guy? Right now, that's who I have slated in as the number two target for the team, but I think both Christian Kirk and Demir Bird were back at practice from in a limited basis on Wednesday. So there's a chance that either or both could play. And I would say in particular, if Kirk plays, I think you're going to probably end up needing to bench Keyshawn. But if Kirk misses, then Johnson could be a kind of a sleeper option for you. He didn't do much last week in fantasy, but did have seven targets playing that is sort of the de facto number two role for the team. So if that's what he ends up doing this week, I could see a very nice week for fantasy top 30 at the position if those other guys miss. For the Vikings guys, Thielen and Diggs, so the Eagles, they increased pass plays by 17%, which is the most in football. And something that I've noticed with this team, like obviously the Vikings want to run the ball as much as they can, but I think that's going to make them pretty matchup um, dependent as a team, and especially in the passing game, because Kirk Cousins has averages 20 pass attempts per game against what I would call their bad opponents, the Falcons, the Raiders, and the Giants. But he's averaged 34 pass attempts against his good opponents in the Packers and Bears, and I would throw the Eagles into that group. Plus, the Eagles, I think, are a little bit more gettable than those other top pass defenses. Plus, they increase the passing plays in general. So I think this is a pretty plus matchup for the Vikings and their receivers. I have Thielen as a top 10 guy, and I have Diggs as a, as a pretty safe wide receiver, too, this week, even though he obviously hasn't been that so far this season in general. For the Rams, I mentioned how the 49ers have been kind of the, the surprising great defense, number one overall, number one in pass defense DVOA. But I'm thinking that they may have a relative weakness defending against slot receivers. We really don't have a ton of evidence of this so far, but they faced two prominent slot receivers so far this season in Jarvis Landry and Tyler Boyd, and they allowed 75 and 122 receiving yards to those guys. Cup in general has been getting a lot more receiving targets this year than, than Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks, much more so than, than even last year when all three of them were healthy at the same time. So Cup has kind of vaulted his way into my top 10 in general, and I think that he's going to be the Ram receiver that you most want to start this week. Although, kind of as I said earlier, I think the Rams just generally may have more passing success than you would expect against this defense, whether that's in garbage time or just, just in general. Now, there's a guy that just missed this cut. Is a guy that I love to tout. is Dolphins rookie wide receiver Preston Williams. He gets the home matchup here against the Redskins, and I know that nobody wants to start any Dolphins, and I know that for sure because Williams is barely owned in all formats still. But Williams is top 20 in all, of all wide receivers across football in his team's wide receiver and tight end target share. So he's getting volume like a wide receiver too. And he's not going to be a wide receiver too, obviously, because the passing game isn't great and Josh Rosen isn't great. But I mean, he's six foot five. I think he's going to score a lot of touchdowns. 
and I really want to have him on my roster this week in case the breakout comes this week. So I would tell you, especially in your deeper formats, go ahead and, and grab Williams for your teams. In dynasty formats, maybe add him right now if you can do that. I think he's going to break out. I think he's going to be productive over the rest of the season, even if the Dolphins end up losing most of their games throughout the season. Okay, let's go over to the wide receivers of the worst matchups of the week. We have Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Alshon Jeffrey, Tyler Lockett, and Golden Tate. For Michael Thomas, I mean, for both Thomas and Jones, you're probably not going to drop these guys too far. They're just too good. Um, But Thomas faces the Jaguars team that cuts yards per attempt by 5% and touchdowns per attempt by 71%. I mentioned the stat about how since the KC game in the opener, they've limited their opponents to 212 passing yards per game and one touchdown per game. Without Ramsey, they've just been the number 26 DVOA pass defense for the year, although, again, the Chiefs probably bring that down a little bit. But it's also possible they'll get Jalen Ramsey back this week. He was practicing on a limited basis on Wednesday, so he may be able to play. And then, I mean, regardless, I think Thomas is going to face a tough test. The Jaguars' defense is really more gettable for running backs, so this may be a run-heavy game plan where Alvin Kamara is the guy that benefits more from from the matchup than Thomas does. Now with Jones... You know, I kind of need to reverse course on what I said a minute ago because Jones really has been falling for me this year. I've kind of dropped him into the true talent wide receiver two range for this season. He's just not getting the same volume that he used to get. He's seeing just 25.3% of the Falcons wide receiver and tight end target share. That's just 36th highest of the position. And maybe that's something they can course correct. It really seems like the Falcons tend to like pull and, and push with their strategies over the course of time. And they have the new offensive coordinator this year. But you know, with the other guys getting as much volume as they are on the team and other good options on the team, I'm just not sure that Jones is the same plus top tier wide receiver that he used to be. Now, he doesn't draw Patrick Peterson in this game because he'll miss this last week with a suspension here, but the Cardinals do cut pass plays by 7%, and they are particularly weak against defending running backs and or, and uh, tight ends receivers. So this, I would probably guess this is going to be a bigger day for Devontae Freeman and Austin Hooper than it is for Julio Jones. And I wouldn't grab Jones in my DFS games where he's one of the most expensive uh, wide receivers at the position. Okay, with Tyler Lockett, I mean, here's another guy. He actually is a top-tier wide receiver for me at this point. He's just been incredibly productive and is getting work both shallow and deep. But he faces a Browns defense that is number eight DVOA against number one wide receivers this year and just generally stronger against the pass than the run. Meanwhile, with this game forecasted to see 17 miles per hour wins, I think there could be some concerns with the deep connection there with Wilson and Lockett. It may be a game where the Seahawks rely a little bit more heavily on the run, something they, they like to do anyway. So that drops Lockett a little bit back for me. He's more in the back end of my wide receiver one range, although I still have him comfortably ahead of Julio. And then finally with Golden Tate, God, the Giants are so hurt tonight. They're not going to have Evan Ingram or Sterling Shepard, plus their top two running backs. So that just really doesn't leave a ton of guys. I mean, I th- that's why I think Hilleman's going to get a workload. And I think that means that Golden Tate and uh, the rookie Darius Slayton are going to get workloads. But with all that said, I still don't really want to start Tate this week. The Patriots, um, they're the number three DVOA defense against number one receivers and number one DVOA defense against number two receivers. And even though Tate may work some from the slot, I just think the Patriots are going to have a very easy time defending this team with so few like really plus skill position players. Plus, you're going to get some 16 miles per hour wins and possible light rain tonight. It may be really tough for the Giants to move the ball. I think the Redskins were limited to 223 total yards of offense last week. Could be a similar story for the Giants this week, and I really don't want to use Tate unless I really have to. Okay, then let's close this up with the tight ends. With the best matchups this week, we have Mark Andrews, Greg Olson, Travis Kelsey, Hunter Henry, and O.J. Howard. With Andrews, you know, I have him as a, as a top matchup. He's facing a Bengals defense that's number 31 in DVOA against tight ends. 
But of note, Andrews is actually battling through a foot injury. He got on the field for more than 50% of the snaps last week, but wasn't quite as evolved as he usually was. I think that's a little bit of a concern, and, and so it maybe means he's not the plus-plus matchup in DFS the way that you would expect. But I think he's a very safe option to use in your, your shallow season-long formats. In DFS, I might really rather look at Olsen or Henry. With Olsen, he's facing a Tampa Bay team that gave him six catches and 110 yards back in Week 2, and that was back when Cam Newton was playing through his injury. So, I mean, hopefully he'll do better even with Kyle Allen, a quarterback, someone that's actually healthy right now. So the Buccaneers, they're kind of an interesting defense. They're actually number one against receiving backs on the season, but just number 20 against tight ends. I really think they may try to gear up to try to stop Christian McCaffrey, and that could make it a good passing day for Olsen. And remember that this game is in London, so it's going to be a 9.30 a.m. Sunday start. So make sure that if you want to start Olsen, get him in your lineups early. And then with Henry, so this is one you're going to have to watch the the news because he returned to practice um, on a limited basis on Wednesday, and it's possible that he'll play this week. He missed a month with a broken kneecap. Um, the, the Chargers really need him back. I mean, they just don't have enough healthy bodies at receiver. I think Austin Eckler had something like 16 targets last week. It was just absurd. So if Henry gets back in this game, the Chargers are going to target him heavily because they don't have enough other options. So I think he could be a real buy, uh, buying opportunity in, in DFS where he's pretty underpriced right now given the uncertainty that he could even play. And then with O.J. Howard, man, so here's a guy that I had as top five tight end, I think, true talent at the start of the season, and he's been falling precipitously for me. He's no longer in my top 10 on the season. He's seeing just 10.9% of the wide receiver and tight end target share, which is 28th at the position. Not great. But I will say that this Panthers matchup, even though it didn't really go great for him last time, it should be a plus matchup for him, I think. The Panthers linebackers are are pretty decent in coverage, but they're just generally working well with the pass rush right now. I think means that the target should probably go a little bit more to Howard and a little bit less to the outside receivers. We'll see how it unfolds. But if Howard has another bad game here, it's getting to the point where I think he's more of a mid-tier tight end too, which is just crazy to me given how talented he is. But it's just the way the Bucks are playing offense right now, and it's kind of hard to argue with them. It's going well. Meanwhile, the tight ends with the actual bad matchup this week, um, we have Delaney Walker, Zach Ertz, Jared Cook, George Kittle, and Will Disley. For Ertz, like, you know, it takes a really bad matchup to knock him down. He's really even falling in this bad Vikings matchup. He's third for me at the position. But I will point out the Vikings are the number four DVOA defense against tight ends on the season, although Darren Waller and Austin Hooper combined for more than 200 yards and 20 catches against them. So I just I wouldn't get too scared away from Ertz here, but maybe not a DFS choice. Definitely going to start him in shallow formats. Kittle falls a little bit too. He faces the Rams, number seven DVOA pass defense against uh, tight ends. But again, another guy that you're not going to bench in any kind of typical fantasy format. Jared Cook, though, he's somebody you might consider benching. Just in general, he hasn't really been as involved in the Saints offense as I expected this year. Just 20.7% of the wide receiver and tight end target share, which is not top 10 at the position. And I thought he was kind of a sure bet to be top 10 in that, given how few other options the Saints have behind Kamara and, and Michael Thomas. But he just isn't really that involved. And this week facing a Jaguars defense that's number eight in DVOA against tight ends and weaker against tight ends than they are, or weaker against wide receivers and against running backs than they are against tight ends. So I think Cook may be more of a back-end tight end two, top-tier tight end three this week, which means in shallow formats, you're probably not going to start him. Okay, well, that's going to do it for this week's episodes of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It's available on both iTunes and Google Podcasts. And then come back next Tuesday, where I'll go through um, week six games and offer my favorite waiver wire pickups leading into week seven. So thanks, and talk to you guys then. Mm-hmm.